If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of California Underground. This is the weekly podcast. We do this every Friday at 3 p.m. So thank you for all those who are tuning in on Instagram Live. And a new feature that we are trying out this week is that we'll be trying out streaming on YouTube as well. So if this goes well, you'll be able to stream on YouTube as well as Facebook. So it gives you the option to kind of tune in as you would like, whether you like to do it on Instagram or would you like to do it on YouTube. This will be then archived. You can go view it on YouTube. So if you haven't followed me over there, it's California Underground. Very easy to follow. There's That's where I've been putting a lot of the longer uh, deep dive videos if you'd like to follow them. So uh, as always, with the new audience participation aspect of this, there will be questions. I'll be taking all your questions. We'll be chatting at the end after we, we go over everything. So there's some stuff we want to go over, stuff we want to talk about today. Uh, the best thing to do is put those questions in the button at, at the, at below here. I don't know why I'm having trouble talking today, hit the button below for questions, have those queued up for later so we can get, get rolling. But before we get started, we always get started with our out of the gate monologue. As we inch closer and closer to some sort of old normal in the golden state, the messages coming from Sacramento and the respective counties is certainly mixed. In a triumphant announcement, which was heard around the world, Governor Newsom proclaimed that California would be fully, and I put fully in quotes because I'm not sure it's really fully reopening on June 15th. Why June 15th? Uh, because science, that's why. Following up on such good press while making a recall or while facing a recall election, Governor Newsom double tapped and said mass mandates would be all but gone on June 15th. Of course, also with the caveat that they would still be required inside with some different situations, high density, so not completely gone. Counties have begun following suit and scrambling to get their reopening plans in place. Will there be vaccine passports? Will employers be requiring to show proof of vaccination? How much will business be open? The questions still linger. Now contrast this with the new reporting from the CDC that fully vaccinated people will no longer have to wear masks indoors or outdoors. And this caused an enormous ripple effect as companies across the country began immediately removing their mask requirements. Several supermarket chains ended their mask requirements right after this announcement. And people in California will have to wait and see whether places like Trader Joe's and Sprouts continue to impose mask mandates even after June 15th. But to pile on even more, Texas released numbers this past week showing they had a day of no COVID deaths and record low hospitalizations. Now, remember, Texas was accused of Neanderthal thinking because they reopened long before Dr. Fauci gave his blessing. Florida is thriving and other states are quickly reopening to follow their lead. And don't forget, Dr. Fauci also stated as recently as this week, the only reason he continued to wear a mask, even though he was fully vaccinated, was purely political theater. He didn't want to send, as he said, mixed messages. Congressional Democrats, they were seen hugging and talking in close corners in the White House, all with no mask, while they were finding Republicans who were on the congressional floor with no mask. California, though, is still holding on to the mask mandates and a tier system for at least a couple more weeks. Now, I have very small reservations that Newsom would about face and decide not to reopen, 
mostly because it would be bad politically while facing a recall election. So what could possibly be the reason California officials are dragging their feet on fully reopening and ending mass mandates today? The head scientists, according to their standards, have already said mass mandates can be lifted. I mean, St. Fauci himself said so. States have proven that fully reopening won't result in mass casualties and people dropping dead in the streets. So I ask again, why the holdup? And my only guess is because the people making these decisions are addicts. They are addicted to power and have been enjoying the amount of power they have been given over the past year. And this goes from the governor's mansion all the way down to city council. Many of these politicians have been able to usher in enormous changes and sweeping regulations, all based on this public health emergency. Now, of course, this shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone. Early on in the pandemic, Governor Newsom proclaimed that his administration will be able to build a more progressive society out of the rebel or the rubble of California after COVID is over. And we are seeing that plan come to fruition right before our eyes. California lawmakers are now proposing the idea of UBI in our state. They're pushing forward with a single-payer health care program, all while using COVID and the after-effects as a rationale for doing so. And not to be outshone by the leader of his party, Newsom is sending loads of cash to Californians as stimulus, taxpayer, taxpayer money that they are happy to spend. And let's call this what it is. Taxpayer money that is now being used as bribes to quell possible voters who would support a recall. Boasting the state is sitting on a record surplus only leads people to think that Californians are being taxed too much if the state has just so much money laying around. But the problem seeps into our local politics as well. County supervisors who are drunk on power like Nathan Fletcher give word salad responses to why the county still requires mass mandates. His general response is, People trust us and how well we've been doing. So just keep on trusting us. I don't know how many people who trust Nathan Fletcher, but in his mind, he's doing some godly work. So now when June 15th rolls around, there'll be much jubilation and celebration from politicians in California on the reopening. But pay close attention to how much of a reopening this really is. If there are still restrictions, any at all, then it's not a full reopening. With all the data we see from other states and the blessing from the all-powerful CDC, if California does not fully reopen and put COVID in the rearview mirror on June 15th, there can only be one possible explanation. California officials are addicted to power, and we the people will have to suffer through the long process of giving it up. All right. So a couple things I want to get to today, uh, right off the top of the bat, we're going to talk about sort of the standoff between the employers and workers over the proposed mass rules. I know there was the letter I put out yesterday uh, for people to look at as just a legal template. If you want to just look at it again, not giving any legal advice on whether that is going to give you some sort of outcome or not. Um, but it looks like there's a little bit of a standoff between Cal OSHA and what's going on. I know they postponed the vote. Uh, to figure out what is going on between people who want to be masked or people who don't or, or who are fully vaccinated, whether they should be masked, whether they should be social distancing, because people are starting to go back to work now. And there's all this talk about people going back to work. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how the polling is showing that Newsom is a little bit more vulnerable than he probably like. And a lot of people who are saying the naysayers were like, ah, oh, don't worry, he's going to beat the recall. It's not a big issue. Don't worry about it. But I'm going to go into an article about why it, I mean, he may be a little bit more vulnerable than we think. 
Um, and then finally, as a preface, you already saw the polls today, if you were following the story, which showed that we're going to talk about Meet Kevin or Kevin Pafrath. I think that's his name, Kevin Pafrath. Correct. Um, going to go over some of his, it was 20 point plan. We're going to go over it and see what thoughts are, how it compares, give it an honest look and go from there. And then obviously at the end, we'll be taking questions or I'll be taking questions. Uh, so put your questions in the question box down below. Also streaming on YouTube as well today. So we're trying to get as much streaming out as possible. So with that said, let's get going into our first article. Bear with me as I figure all of this out because I'm still doing this on the fly. All right. So first article, oh, that's not what I want. There we go. That's much better because you don't see it, but I'm actually also streaming and people can see uh, my computer screen through the YouTube stream. So if you go see the YouTube video, you can see the article that I'm reading and what I'm looking at my computer screen. Can't, I don't have that same ability here on Instagram Live, but I do get to see all your wonderful chats and see that people are getting engaged. All right, so this story is from the Mercury News uh, and the title is California Employer Worker Groups Square Off Over Proposed Mass Rules. And it says groups representing businesses and workers staked out opposing ground as California's Workplace Safety Board delayed a decision Thursday on whether to change rules governing how companies should manage social distancing, mass, and other measures at work as California begins to reopen. The State Occupational Safety, OSHA, met by video conference to consider revising the state's COVID emergency workplace order to allow vaccinated people to work indoors, unmasked, and without social distancing, while unvaccinated workers indoor would have to work outside in the rain with people throwing stuff at them. Uh, no, actually, it just says we have to be offered N95 respirator max and tested at least once a week. Um, the board agreed scheduled to meet for June 3rd with the new proposal to be publicly available by June 8th. Uh, it goes on to talk more about it. The decision followed a series of presentations by representatives of employers and workers who outlined starkly different concerns with business lobbyists arguing that increased vaccination rates and plummeting COVID rates warranted relaxation of regulations and worker advocates highlighting continuing risks and potential resurgence of the virus if safety mandates are lifted too soon. Infections are still occurring. Outbreaks at workplaces are still occurring, said Maggie Robbins, an occupational environmental health specialist at Oakland-based worker advocacy group WorkSafe, who noted that many Californians are not vaccinated. Employer groups presented a fairly united front in asking the board to align state rules with federal guidelines to eliminate confusion and make compliance easier. They also generally opposed a proposal to make employers provide N95 masks on a voluntary basis to unvaccinated indoor workers with some highlighting increased costs and most point to the possibility that such a mandate would boost demand and make respirators harder to get for businesses and healthcare agencies. Uh, let's see. Keep going on, going on. Mitch Steiger, a lobbyist for the California Labor Federation, AFL-CIO, said employers could not necessarily be trusted to truthfully ascertain employees' vaccination status, and not all employees could be trusted to provide truthful information about their status. Those out there who are very intent on not getting the vaccine are the very same ones who are not going to wear a mask. Uh, board chair David Thomas urged a cautious approach. Hopefully we're getting to a place where we can open things up. It's looking that way, but he said a little over a year ago, we tried to open up everything. It was a disaster until we got the vaccine. We were in dire straits. In the back of your mind, you have to say, we've seen this before. 
for lack of a better word, we don't want to get stupid. So following off the sort of out of the gate monologue where I just talked about how the science and CDC and Dr. Fauci have all said the same thing, which is basically that if you are vaccinated and fully vaccinated, you don't have to be wearing a mask inside. Uh, now we're having Cal OSHA, which is having a little bit of a problem. And this is going to be a big standoff in terms of workers' rights. I can see this coming up. I am not an employment lawyer. Um, I know there's probably people who are a lot more uh, study or, or, or experts on this than I am. But in the sense that this is going to become an issue of workers' rights, because asking someone their medical history and whether they have vaccinations could pre present a huge problem. Um and it goes back to the issue of, well, if someone is vaccinated, doesn't that protect themselves? And why are you worried about someone who's not vaccinated, who's not wearing a mask? Um, it always seems like no matter what you do, the 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 at least the the messaging, and I'm saying this as the messaging is basically saying, no matter what you do, whether you get a vaccine or et cetera, et cetera, it's not what you do, it's what the other person does. And I think that presents a big issue in terms of the philosophical debate we're having going on here in America right now, which is basically that it's individualism versus collectivism. And this idea of, if you got the vaccine, most people would say, well, if I got the vaccine and I'm fully protected and I can't get it, then I shouldn't worry about what other people are doing, right? Like that shouldn't really make any difference. Like I've been vaccinated, that's, that's my prerogative. But they've kind of flipped it on their head where it said, even though you're vaccinated, somebody else who's not vaccinated could still get you sick. And the science hasn't bore that out. And it, we haven't seen that this asymptomatic spread has really been as big as they thought it was going to be. That was the big thing. That was the whole reason that they said, we have to shut everything down. Everybody has to stand six feet apart. Even if you're not showing symptoms, asymptomatic spread is really, really bad. In reality, they showed studies that said asymptomatic spread is basically negligible. It's not a big deal. It's not what everybody's saying it is. I mean, if you're walking down the street, you're walking down the sidewalk and you see someone who's approaching you and you have a mask on and they don't, it doesn't mean you have to run to the other side of the street because they're going to give it to you. You can't pass it as much as people think. There's a whole issue about viral load and how much like a viral, like how much viral load you're actually spreading to someone else. It sounds awful the way you say it, like a viral load, but that's really what it is. It becomes, if I'm standing in front of your face and speaking to you right away, then there's a good chance that I'm going to give, I can spread anything to you. I can spread, you know, the common cold. I can spread anything to you. Um, but if I'm passing someone on the street, it doesn't really make a difference. But going, getting back to this whole issue is that we're now we're, we're, we're in this weird limbo phase of as we're coming out of the pandemic, they're still holding on to it's not you. It's not my problem. It's your problem. And even though I'm fully vaccinated, even though I've done everything I'm supposed to do, you have to do it. Otherwise, my vaccine doesn't work, which doesn't really make sense to me. And I'm sure it doesn't make a lot of sense to other people that if you're vaccinated, then why do I need to be vaccinated? And what does it matter if I have a mask and you are fully vaccinated and you don't have a mask? Um, and having employers require you get vaccinations and create this different caste system of vaccinated versus unvaccinated people who have to wear masks versus people who aren't wearing masks. And I, I think we talked about this before. 
I don't think a lot of businesses are going to really enforce this whole vaccination proof. I've heard from other states and other places where like a Trader Joe's has reopened that they're not asking for any sort of vaccination proof. I mean, that would just be kind of cumbersome and to have like the person at Trader Joe's asking you for your medical history also kind of seems odd and like a little bit of an invasion of privacy, but we'll see really how much, how much force there is behind this and how much like enthusiasm and motivation there is behind this to actually make this work. Uh, but this is, this is going to be that fight coming up on June 15th. We still have a couple of weeks to figure out what are they going to do? Are they going to require people to wear masks? What are the guidelines going to be? And is California really fully reopening? Because it seems like we're just kind of going to like lockdown light. Like it's kind of that still idea of like, well, there's still going to be some sort of restrictions. And when do those restrictions end? Like how low does the number have to be before California goes, hey, you know what? We got it under control. The hospitals are not overridden at this point. People are not, you know, the fatalities per 100,000 has gone way down. Um, you know, we're starting to see counties and cities right now with no COVID hospitalizations. At what point do we stop and say, okay, I think we got this beat. We don't have to get crazy about this anymore. Um, but like I said in the monologue, it's going to be interesting because these, these a lot, they just can't rip the bandaid off. They just want to keep coming up with more and more regulations and they just can't let it go. And I don't know. I think it's maybe this obsession with power that they're, they're kind of in the spotlight all the time and that. A lot of those supporters, people who voted a lot of these politicians in love this. They love the statism taking over. They love this state is kind of like controlling this nanny state controlling their lives. Um, but I, I, I don't think we're going towards a, I would say on June 15th, I don't see us going towards a Texas style reopening where, or a Florida style reopening where we basically say everything's open. There's no restrictions. You can do whatever you want now. It's back to the way it used to be before the pandemic there's still going to be restrictions. There's still going to be regulations and there's still going to be a nanny state. Newsom has not, is not giving up his power that easily. He's already said he's going to keep the emergency powers in place until the end of the year. So he, he has no intention of giving up his power. So um, I know a lot of people are obviously concerned about that because there's people who are going back to work. There's going to be a lot of people going back to the office and they're going to have to see, um, what kind of mask mandates or mask regulations are going on. So this next article is from the California Globe. And it is titled, Polling Shows Governor Newsom is More Vulnerable Than He'd Like. Uh, let's see. It goes on to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Uh, I want to get to the meat of this. And it talks about how in March, the Public Policy Institute of California uh previously the runner-up for the best California pollster. Um, I guess field poll is doing better than that. Anyway, they released a poll relating to the recall. It's still the most recent PPIC poll as of this writing, and the results are curious. Specifically, when compared to what the field poll found in 2003, before former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger announced his entry into the race and months ahead of then-Governor Gray Davis' successful recall, well, PPIC and Field are obviously different. They're not that different. And taking a look at what Field found 2003, coupled with PPIC found at the end of March, delivers a striking conclusion. Arguably, Newsom is vo more vulnerable, at least right now, than Davis was at the same time. 
In April 2003, Field found that a mere 33% of respondents would support a recall of Davis. As the end of March of this year, PPIC found that 40% of respondents supported a recall of Newsom. Moreover, in April 2003, 62% of respondents told Field that proactively would not sign a recall. As of the end of March, PPIC had 56% definitively in the no, don't recall camp. Now, objectively, this suggests Newsom is in a worse position than Davis was with the regard to recall, regard to recall specifically. Are we to conclude that PPIC is just that much worse of pollster than Field that is failing to detect vastly more support for Newsom than its poll suggests? To follow the analogy, if PPI is PPIC too much, just too much juice, not enough fiber? Let's take a look at PPIC's June 2003. Uh, Full, um, 2003 poll. Even in June, with recall fast approaching, PPIC still did not find a majority in support of Chucking Davis. PPIC's June 2003 number tapped out at a 48% among all respondents. That was a worse number for Davis than Newsom's current 40%. But it's worth knowing that there were months to go in the campaign, just as there was in 2003. And ultimately, while PPIC put support for a recall then at 48%, the yes on recall campaign ended up bagging over 55% of the votes that constitute a seven point swing of undetected advantage. Consider the prospect of a seven point undetected advantage to the pro recall side right now, plus the possibility of problems might increase, not decrease for Newsom. And I understand why the, they are taking this more seriously. So there's more to the article as always. Um, which I always post. So if you ever want to read any of this stuff, I always post all the articles. You can read the entire thing. Uh, this was an interesting point too. Newsom's level support are a little softer with Latinos than he would probably have liked. Just ahead of his 2018 election, his support from Latinos stood at 65%. And now, according to PPIC, it stands at 60%. Even a couple points here matter because Latinos are the biggest ethnic group in California. Newsom's number with uh, with white voters may be virtually static in the low 40% range, but his number with Latinos are not. And Latinos may be more affected by the issues where Newsom pulls badly than better off whites. So if Newsom's numbers with Latinos decline just a little, again, he could have a closer race than he wants. So basically what they're saying is they're extrapolating sort of the similarities between what happened in 2003. I was not here in 2003. I did not live in California in 2003. So I'm not really, I, I don't remember a lot of what happened in 2003. I just, I actually moved here in 2004 uh, for college. So I came like right after the Terminator or the governor was appointed. But what they're basically saying is that there is, based on the numbers right now, Newsom is in a worse position than Gray Davis was. If they are to extrapolate sort of the same lessons they learned from polling back in the day, uh, which goes to show that if there's a seven-point swing that they're not picking up, so they're keep flying, well, you know, he has this much support, he has 48% support that he wants to survive the recall. Well, if you add seven points to that undetected advantage of people who are going to vote against them, now all of a sudden it gets a little bit more interesting. Um, and keep in mind, this recall really, I don't think has heated up as much as we think it is. It's kind, it's gotten started and then we're starting to see more people jump into the race. There's one candidate we're going to talk about next, uh, but we haven't really seen the recall heat up. And this is one reason 
kind of tying all this together, why I think that if he's going to do, uh, he's going to move forward with the June 15th reopening, because if he goes back on that, that will look incredibly bad for him politically in a race where he's facing a recall. Um, but regardless, I think he's starting to see his support slip. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that he's losing a lot of support with Latinos which is a huge demographic here in California. I've always, I always think, and I've said this with other sort of conservative thinkers, is that Republicans are need to do a much better job uh, reaching out to the Latino community because there are a lot of, I think when you get out to the, the Latino community, a lot of the issues that Republicans run on are very marketable and they're, they're very appealing to the Latino community. Um, and then you see it right now, the fact that he's slowly going from 65 to 60. And if he's losing more and more and Republicans get better at kind of conveying that message. Also, one reason I think why Kevin Faulkner is actually trying to go on more Latino news networks is because he knows he sees the numbers and he says, like, I, if I can reach this community and get them to take a look at me, I have a real shot to be very competitive in this recall and possibly take over for Gavin Newsom. Um, so it's very interesting because a lot of people on who I know who are on the left are very, uh, let's say, I think they have their heads in the sand on terms of this recall. They didn't believe that the recall was ever going to happen in the first place. You know, they didn't believe that there was going to be enough signatures. They thought there was no way that California, that there was going to be enough signatures to actually qualify a recall. But here we are with a qualified recall. And now they're saying the same thing, which is, well, Newsom will never lose. I mean, that's, that's just given. But I don't think they're seeing really under the tea leaves. They're not really seeing under the surface the fact that there's a good chance that he could lose this recall election and be booted out and there could be a new governor in place uh, by next fall. And that would be the end of Gavin Newsom's whole political career to be recalled. Because remember what happened to Gray Davis after he was recalled? Nobody ever heard from him again. That was basically the end of his entire career. Um, so keeping an eye out on it. And this is one thing that I have said numerous times before. The recall numbers for Gavin Newsom could change if a prominent Democrat enters the race. And a prominent Democrat who could challenge Newsom on issues that a lot of Democrats could look at and say, uh, you know, I don't really like Newsom, but I like what this, this candidate is saying. And, you know, I don't want to vote for Republicans because they're, you know, whatever. They, they're still in that sort of like Republicans are the worst thing ever. They're, you know, Hitler incarnate. Uh, but if they see a prominent Democrat, that could change the entire field. So right now, uh, this next candidate I'm going to take a look at is Kevin Paffroth. Now, people have been kind of alluding to me. They've been messaging me about this guy. Uh, they kept saying, you know, take a look at this guy. He's he's thinking about running. And I kind of I looked him up and this was like months ago. So we didn't really have anything at that point. Uh, as of this week, he did announce and he's been on Fox news. He's been all over the place. He's a very charismatic guy has a big following. And, uh, I guess he's, he looks like he's a realtor. I think he's a realtor. So that's sort of his thing is he's a realtor. He does a lot of YouTube videos. They called him a YouTuber, which I think is kind of, you know, a cheap shot if your real job is actually a realtor, but you do YouTube videos. Uh, but anyway, 
So as Kevin Parafrath came out with his whole platform, it's a 20 point platform. Excuse me for a second. Now, usually you want to keep your points to like a minimum amount of points, because when you're running, you want someone to say, well, why am I voting for this person over somebody else? And that's basically because you want to be sellable. Like you want, you don't want to have to think like, well, what are 20 points? I have to remember every single one of them. Uh, you want, you usually want to run on three points that people can actually remember so they can go out and tell other people about it. it also helps them process a lot better. I mean, it's hard to remember 20 points, but it's a comprehensive plan, or at least it's a, it's a big plan. It's got bold solutions in terms of what he wants to do for California. I looked at it before. We're going to go look at it again. Again, if you see it, this on YouTube, you can see me going through the entire uh, web page. You can watch me go along with it. Uh, so if you ever want to switch over to YouTube or you want to watch it later, you can do that as well. So Kevin Apathrath, uh for governor of California. Uh, it doesn't say anything about, I think it doesn't really say he's Democrat or Republican right off the bat. It did say Democrat when he was on Fox News. Um, so, you know, props to him for already going out and going on Fox News. And I think that's a good idea because it kind of he's reaching out to people who might be able to sell. And a lot of this is really going to be who can fight in, out the middle, who can fight out the middle of this. And that's another thing I guess I should touch on before I hop into the 20 points is the survey results or the poll results, which I found were actually pretty interesting. I found it was pretty interesting that uh, so. Obviously, he beat out Newsom. So if you had to pick one, and I'm assuming that most of the people who did took that poll, this is completely unscientific, but I'm assuming most of the people who took that poll are basically middle right conservative politically, uh, most of them. I'm not saying all of them, but most of them. So obviously, Kevin beats Newsom. That was a pretty easy one. In Kevin versus Kevin, so Kevin Faulkner versus Kevin Paffrath, um, and I apologize if I'm saying his name wrong. Kevin Faulkner actually beats him by a little bit. And, you know, 65, 30, 65, 35, all that. Um, Jenner, he smokes Jenner. And that's probably because Jenner doesn't have a platform at all. So the fact that he has a platform and is actually proposing something shows, yeah, like this, that's not even close. You can actually look at his platform and be like, okay, I can make a determination. Um, and then against Cox, I was actually surprised that he beat Cox because I would have figured more people who maybe follow this show or, or follow this Instagram handle is they would have said, well, I'll vote for a Republican over a Democrat. But actually more people said they'd vote for this guy over John Cox. I don't know if it's the bear. Maybe it's the bear that kind of turned people away. Or maybe John Cox is just, just over it. Um, so anyway, I wanted to do this sort of unscientific poll before this podcast and then after this. So if you're watching, then you can kind of take the poll again and say, you know, if you voted one way or the other, maybe it changes your mind. And I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just interested whether it's the pure political tribalism of, well, D versus R, I'm going to always vote for the R over the D. And maybe we'll see uh, if the platform beats out the tribalism, whether the platform can say, uh, I like this platform better than whatever somebody else is proposing. All right, so let's get started with this. Uh, bear with me. It is 20 points. Uh, some of the last points are really just kind of rehashes. So like the last three or four are really not like unique points. Whew. All right, what can we improve? 
Number one, no state income tax on first $250,000. Okay. Um, removes the California state income tax on the first $250,000 made. No California tax return required. Approximately 5 to 7% flat tax on incomes over $250,000. Okay, so he's proposing a flat tax. That's pretty interesting. So lowering the tax overall, uh, which would be an instant pay raise for all workers and investors. Bold. Bold. That's certainly bold. That's actually bolder than Kevin Faulkner's plan. Kevin Faulkner said no taxes up to $50,000 and $100,000 as a family. Um, so up to $250,000 is very bold, uh, especially for a Democrat to be making. Because actually, once you get into like, I think it's 250000 you start to actually, I think you're in the top 10%. So you start to get up into that richy rich area that Democrats are always crying about how the rich never pay their fair share. Uh, the homeless emergency, number two, housing for all homeless within 60 days via emergency powers, medical, mental health, and educational support immediately available, three meals per day and centralized support for all homeless immediately. No one lives on the streets in our state anymore within 60 days. Uh, this one is bold. It's going to require a lot of government intervention. Uh, homeless is definitely an issue. Getting homeless into homeless shelters is definitely an issue. I've seen it here in San Diego. When I lived downtown, they built a brand new, beautiful homeless shelter, assisted living or low income uh, living. And they couldn't get a lot of people to actually live there because there's a lot of stipulations when you have to go into these types of homes. Sometimes you have to get off drugs. Uh, so there's a lot of issues. It's not as easy as like, well, the only reason we have homelessness because there's not enough room. Sometimes the issue goes a little bit deeper than why do we have homeless? A lot of it could be drugs. A lot of it could be just kind of losing someone to addiction. Um, and they just kind of, they're just out there. They just lose it to addiction and they don't really understand why, you know, it's hard to say like they're, they don't cognitively know why they're homeless. Um, they may think it's fine to be homeless because of their addiction. So there, that, that is an issue. I'm glad they put like medical and mental health because that is a big issue is that sometimes there's people who just don't know or can cognitively understand why are they homeless? And those people I think need help, but really how that's going to work is going to be interesting to see how he gets that all done within like 60 days. That's going to be a lot. I mean, there's, there might not be enough room to put all the homeless people. But I've also said this before, like the homeless issue is not its own separate in a vacuum issue. Okay. Homeless is not the sickness. I think it's one of the symptoms of the sickness and sickness is really that California is just way too damn expensive and that there's no way if it's this expensive for people to create any sort of safety net, to have a savings, to know that if things go bad, they can live for like two or three months off savings. When everything's so expensive, you're kind of stretching every single dollar to make ends meet. And without that safety net, something like COVID could really knock you on your ass and kick you out of your home. So that's a real issue. Uh, so I, I don't really see it. It's, I would say, yeah, that's like an immediate like fix to say, let's do this to get this done in 60 days to clean up a lot of these neighborhoods. You know, a lot of highways are just, tent cities now. Venice is really, really bad right now. Um, if you've seen pictures recently of Venice, it's just really bad. Uh, 
So that's definitely like, that's the immediate solution. But I think the overall solution really needs to be fixing the cost of living to make it easier to live in California. Future schools, number three. This one was pretty interesting. He kind of weaves it in and out of his entire platform. Uh, again, if you want to read this whole thing for yourself, he actually has like an over 30 minute video uh, where you can read or watch his explanation of each single point. Uh, it's actually pretty nice because he puts it in like, you know, you can click on it and it takes you to a certain part of the YouTube video. I guess that's part of, you know, the, the benefit of being a YouTuber. Future schools. This one I thought was actually pretty interesting and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on board. And, I, and, you know, if you want to throw it up there in the chat, let me know if you're kind of in the in the same, if you think this is a good idea. At 14, students have a choice to attend a future school. It combines college, trade school, high school, and financial education. Students graduate debt-free, for free, at 18, ready for career placement. And this is in partnership with small, medium, and large businesses throughout California. So we can read more on part three. I think there's more he wants to go over. Um, do, do, do. and the problem he says is California schools are a miserable, are in a miserable state. So I've seen that 60% of students graduating at 18 can't get a job and graduation rates are at the lowest level they've been in decades. So the solution is future schools will pay teachers a minimum of 120,000 per year. So that's actually pretty good salary. If you're a teacher, boy, that that's, that's really good. Future schools will take 70% of our community colleges and high schools and combine them into a new future school system. This makes future schools optional for students to choose at 14. So even before you go into high school, you can choose to go into this future school and just kind of bypass high school and go right into some sort of trade or some sort of specialized career. Future schools will teach practical skills designed for each career path a student chooses. The first two years will be more generalized so that students can fine tune their career path. This education will include business acumen, financial education. Whew. I've been saying that for years. I don't think enough people understand finances. And I think I don't want to be like the guy with the tin tinfoil hat and say like, I don't think they want people to be smart about finances because they, they can take advantage of people who are financially illiterate. So that when you're smarter financially, it's hard for businesses to take advantage of you especially lending companies and credit cards. They take advantage of people who don't understand this. Business communication skills, basic accounting skills, and internships. The last two years will be focused on skill and career training. This means that by 18, students will be able to graduate with certifications such as a CPA license. It's a good job. Electric Electrician license, nursing license, architect license. Good job, good job. Engineer license, cannabis grower license. Okay, not bad. EMT certification and endless other possibilities. Uh, he talks about how it, it would be like a public private partnership. Uh, future schools will focus on practicality, financial literacy and career preparation, all for students to achieve without taking on the debt. And he goes on to talk about how Joe Biden's new plan. So, I mean, he is a Democrat, so he's going to talk about Joe Biden. I don't hate it. I actually don't hate this is something I've thought for a long time that there should be some sort of avenue. If you don't want to go to college, I think you should be able to just go and follow your career path. I mean, that's how it used to be done many, many years ago before they wanted to have you under their control for, you know, basically a third of your life or however long, you know, Joe Biden wants you to be in public schools for 16 years of your life. Um, I always thought this was a great idea. I think more people would, 
find this beneficial, uh, I think you'd have to have some sort of like pre-training leading up to the future school idea because you'd have to give them the idea of like what they're getting themselves into. Uh, but I, I, it, I think it's a great idea because why not? Like it creates this direct, like you're, you're, you're going directly into the workforce. Imagine you graduate with no debt, no student loan debt, and you have a good paying job, like an electrician, an architect, a CPA, and you're already contributing. You're already contributing to the economy. You're buying a house, you're putting money away in savings, you know, and you have no debt and you can buy stuff. That's great. I feel like I'm doing the Trump hands right now. That's really great. It's fantastic. Um, but he, he kind of comes back to the future school thing again and again, but I think that's, why not? Like, let's try it. Nobody, not everybody has to go to college. I mean, if I could do it all over again, I'm not even sure I would go to college to be completely honest. I, I don't think, I don't, I'm not sure if it's worth the money. Okay, we got a bunch more, so let's keep going. Number four, the housing emergency. We have unaffordable rents and housing due to a lack of homes. Instead of 80,000 new units per year, California via emergency powers. So this is, again, why this whole emergency powers argument, why it was so big for like a lot of constitutional constitutionalists, because once it becomes this whole like, well, you can just say emergency powers for anything, then you can... You basically just use emergency powers for whatever you think needs to be addressed and bypass the legislature. So I'm not happy about that kind of precedent, to be honest. I think emergency has to be like emergency. Like there's a huge earthquake, there's wildfires. Like we need to address this right now. Um, but just kind of using emergency powers all the time for everything is not a good precedent to set. Uh, it says it will build 500,000 new housing units per year for five years. State will control all building and safety rather than local building departments. Okay. Not really sure what that means. So I guess instead of the local building departments, the state's going to take over all the local. I, I think local has to stay local. You know, local, local departments know their area better than the state. You know, California is a big state. It's not like we're a small state and you can figure out what's going on. Like there's a big difference between San Diego and Redding. So, it, you know, that's, that's tough. Free permits, no punitive violations and fast permits for remodels and builds four levels of permits with architectural and contractor powers. Okay. And this guy may know more about it than I do because he's a realtor. So this is his, his job. He knows housing. Um, maybe it works, but I'm not a fan of the state taking over everything. I think keep things local, but maybe the state kind of like, I don't know, maybe they from the top down, they make it easier for local localities to work. Uh, the transportation emergency request proposals from the private sector to solve transportation emergency, optional variable toll roads, new roads in addition to, addition, to existing roads with tolls, giving drivers the option to take a toll road or not. More roads equals less traffic. Um, where you build those roll roads becomes an issue. Um, support tunnels and roads to new communities via construction boom. Hmm. Well, I mean, you have, I mean, that's kind of like chicken and the egg. How do you put, you have to put the construction boom first and high speed rail focus on better public transportation, especially for future schools and workplaces. Um, okay. Now, you know, I have nothing against public transportation. I think it's, it's fine. I mean, 
it works in big cities. It doesn't have to work everywhere, but it works in big cities. This one, I, this next point, I actually really like. I'm kind of excited about. And I don't know why we haven't done this earlier. Legalize gambling. Why hasn't California legalized gambling yet? I mean, we've legalized marijuana. They, they have bills going through that they want to legalize even harder drugs. But gambling is, for some reason, off the table. Like, that's beneath California to do that. I, that I find weird. Um, legalize online and in-person gambling. So online, I guess, if you want to do your DraftKings or your whatever they call it, the DraftKings, the sports betting. Build casinos throughout California. I mean... Yeah. When you legalize gambling, they're going to build casinos throughout California regardless. You don't need the state to actually do that. That's just going to be the free market going, wow, we can build in California now. Let's go and do it. Like, oh, great. We can do all that. Um, five to $10 billion in tax revenues expected after construction and build out prevents returning to state income taxes. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's an interesting idea. Uh, I wonder how much of a pushback there will be from like the reservation community, because that's where all the casinos are right now in California. Uh, but I'm all for it. Like, why not? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm from New Jersey. We had Atlantic City. So uh, Atlantic City now does sports betting. So the fact that California doesn't do legalized betting all over the place or legalized gambling, I'm not sure. I mean, you could have a potential to build like a mini California Vegas. That's a good idea. Why not? Um, no more blackouts. That's a bold promise. Building smart grids, especially in new communities with a focus on solar and wind farms plus battery storage. More peaker plants to prevent blackouts at peak usage. Authorizing improvements to existing natural gas infrastructure to help transition to a fully green grid within the next 20 years. Ending costly regulations, making it difficult for utilities to build transmission lines, connecting renewables to the grid, permits for interconnecting renewable grids. With expedited though through the governor's office, no more red tape stopping our green transition. Um, I mean, this is a bold claim. I don't know how much more we have to keep trying solar and wind farms before people realize it's not really the most sustainable thing. I mean, a moderate idea would have been to like help reopen some of our nuclear power plants. I'm sure there's some nuclear power plants here in California that we could reopen and get to work again and power all of California. We wouldn't even have to worry about this issue anymore. Uh, I mean, I think I'm an all the above kind of power source person, natural gas, coal, nuclear power, solar, wind, whatever. I mean, bring it all on, I whatever, but like, let's just do all of it. Why, why do we have to limit ourselves to just solar or wind farms? Let's see, this one as an attorney, this one was a little interesting to me. I can see the pros and cons of it. Eight, they're called future courts. Um, small claims limits raised to $100,000. New small claims advisor council license taught at future schools, speeding up the legal system by investing in our courts, ending the litigious reputation California gets for its businesses. All right, so currently small claims is only $10,000. And the reason for that is because usually you want to go through a little bit more of an expedited uh, process and it's only $10,000 of, of what you're really fighting over. Anything above that, it starts to become a little bit more complicated. You have to go through discovery and depositions and all this stuff in lawsuits. And you know, the idea is at under 10,000, you can really get this resolved pretty quickly. Um, so raising it to 100,000 is kind of interesting because there's 
plenty of cases. Believe me, there are plenty of cases that attorneys take on that are around $100,000 or under $100,000. And those are real cases that they take and they make money on. And the idea is that attorneys wouldn't be allowed to be in these small claims courts and they would have to only take cases that are over $100,000. And you have to be this new claim, small claims advisor council. I'm not sure attorneys are going to be that excited about it. It's a nice idea. Um, like I said, because some attorneys, they make their bones on this stuff. They, they make their living off of litigating these smaller cases, uh, especially at $100,000. Like it's You'd be surprised how many lawsuits are filed that are under $100,000. And then this new small claims advisor council, they're trying to do something like that with the California State Bar. It's okay. Uh, you're not like a real attorney, but you're someone who helps guide them through like small claims, I guess. Uh, it's an interesting idea. Uh, I'll say that as, as an attorney, it's bold. It's out there. Not a bad idea. Oh, and you can also, you want, if you want to become a small claims advisor council, it's taught at the future schools. And there's some other things he goes on to transforming the DMV, virtual IDs. Um, future policing in jails, instant focus on community policing and reintegrating trust with law enforcement, nonviolent inmates in jails will work community service. I don't hate that. Um, if it's nonviolent, you can pay your service back with community service or you pay your, pay your debt to society. Inmates will clean our streets, roads, towns, cities, and remove graffiti. I don't hate that. And of course it gives them the option to join or go back to future schools. The underground handy person economy. I didn't know this, but current law criminalizes being a handy person. Immediately create a handy person license, providing a path to insurance and liability protections for homeowners. Again, certification through future schools. If local workers are not available for our construction boom, create a path to legal immigration for skilled workers. Um, that's a federal issue. So I don't, I don't know. Everyone wants to, you have to work with the federal government on immigration. That is solely in, in their purview. Uh, it goes on to talk about mandate local manufacturing employment, California H1B ones. We're getting there. Believe me, we're getting towards the end. Uh, like I said, a couple of the last ones are just rehashes. Um, this is more just talking about how they want to allow new workers. Future money and exchanges. New online payment options include Zelle and PayPal for California services, support for fintechs and unbanked individuals. Considering crypto assets as a payment method. So you can now pay your traffic ticket with your Dogecoin, if you have any, or your Bitcoin, if it's worth anything by the end of the week. Encouraging the creation of a California-based stock exchange. Don't really know how that works. Uh, okay, and here's one that I'm sure will get a lot of people emotional gun safety uh trained gun owners are currently treated like criminals in california this is ridiculous i would agree those who are trained and background checked shall have more rights in california that could be debated tiered licenses for individuals with weapons training granting more privileges like concealed carry to more folks who are trained and background checked this would be the first expansion of gun rights california has seen in decades this is a tough one. This is a tough one because as a gun owner myself, and I'm sure there's going to be pushback. I'm sure people are going to say stuff in the chat about this. I 
am all for people have to get trained to own firearms. Like everybody who is anyway should be trained. You should learn gun safety. Uh, walking into a gun store and walking out with a gun that same day could be problematic for people who aren't going to treat that gun properly. They're not going to do it safely. And I think to a lot of people who are responsible gun owners, this is probably not the worst thing in the world compared to what we've been dealing with in California, which is basically you do everything right by California and they keep taking away your second amendment rights. This is the opposite side of the coin where they say you're doing everything right. So we're actually going to give you more leeway with your second amendment rights, um, which is debatable as to whether that is, I'm sure people have opinions on both sides whether that's good or not. But considering we're going from a state that is incredibly anti-Second Amendment to a proposal of, well, if you're trained and you know safety and you know how to handle your firearm and X, Y, and Z, then of course you can get your carry and conceal. And of course you can have this gun ray. And of course you get, you know, let's get rid of the roster. Let's get rid of these dumb flippers on the handles and stuff like that. So uh, I'm sure it's not what a lot of, constitutionalist 2A people are looking at and going, this is absolutely what I want, but let's put it this way. Would you rather have this platform or what's going on right now? It's not the worst proposal in the world. Me personally, I'm all for people getting more training on gun safety because I've seen too many horror stories of people going into ranges, sitting next to, or going in the stall next to me, pulling out an AR-15 that they just rented from the guy on the front counter and having absolutely no clue what to do with that. And you're like, I'm standing next to this guy and he has no idea what he's doing with this firearm. And that's scary. And that's in a controlled environment with a marshal standing there over him, ready to like take care of things if something happens. But like, imagine someone out in the, in, in the world who has no idea how to use a firearm. So that's just me. I, I Maybe that's just me. I'm sure you can leave your comment in the chat and or have a question about that. Uh, let's see. Let's let's keep going down some of this stuff. Again, you can read more of this stuff online to read all of it, but I want to touch upon some of it. Uh, funding more housing. Cool. Carbon tax. Eh, not a fan of carbon tax. Uh, it doesn't ban pollutants, but the green wave, which I thought I thought it was going to be like the Green New Deal, but the Green Wave is actually they just want to link up all the stops on or the, the lights so that things move a little bit faster. Why not? We could have the technology to do that. And then he goes over day one, executive action. And then the point 20 is his transition bond, or transition bond board, whatever. So that's Kevin. That's Kevin Pafrath. He is a Democrat who is officially running in the recall against Gavin Newsom. Uh, I think this would be a good segue now to take it into comments or questions um, and see what people are saying about this platform. You know, is this a platform that if it was and it came down to, let's say, a Gavin Newsom, a bull and a recall, it wouldn't be Gavin Newsom versus this guy. But if it was Kevin Pafferath versus anybody, I mean, is it to the point now where if you look past the Democrat point or his Democratic Party affiliation, do you say he's got good points? And if he can win and implement these things, why not? Let's go for it. You know, let's put the tribalism aside and let's focus on like some real solutions for California. It's a comprehensive plan. That's for sure. I'm not going to deny that. And um, 
absolutely. I, I think he's got a lot of good ideas. I, he's got a lot of bold ideas, and I, I like that. I like that as a, we're, we're trying to think outside the box here. I love the future school idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. I think that should absolutely be a part of uh, education. If you want to go off and, and start becoming a professional right away with no student loan debt, fantastic. Go ahead and do it. Be a contributing member of society right away make money, buy a house, do all that stuff, home ownership. Great. Fantastic. That's going to help our economy more than anybody will know. Um, some other things, obviously, you know, more of the democratic kind of party line stuff, gun safety for a Democrat. That's actually pretty pro gun for a, a Democrat in California. To be completely honest, I was surprised that gun safety was like that open of like, let's, you know, let's figure out how to let people own guns safely. That's awesome. Um, so on that note, let's let's talk about some <coughs> comments or questions. I see there's some questions in there. Um, I see there's some chats on YouTube as well. So let's hop into some comments and questions. We already been kind of chatting for an hour, but this 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 thing took a little bit longer. Uh, Lisa said, "I thought it was interesting. Just would like to see it already working successfully somewhere before it's implemented here." Uh, that's a good point. Certainly a good point because. We don't know if it's going to work, but right now, whatever California is doing isn't really working right now. So why not? Why not try it? California is a state of sort of like new ideas, bold visions. Why not try different things? Um, so let's get started. I'm going to pull up some of these questions. Do, do, do. Mm -mm -mm. Let's see. Somebody asked. Is Rick Grinnell going to run or not? Um, I would say at this point, I don't think so. I think he is not. I, I, the rumors I've heard is that he's not confident that he is, that the recall is actually going to happen. So he's going to stay out of it right now. So that's why I don't think he's going to run. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Somebody said... Trucker just said some companies are requiring the COVID jab to keep their job, huh? Or to keep their health insurance. That is interesting. That's an interesting, that's going to be a legal issue. Someone's going to, some employment lawyer is going to fight that out. I don't see the Democratic establishment actually backing him up. They want to keep their golden calf in office. Um, yeah, I could see that the Democrats probably... And, and, and more than anything, the funny thing is, is running as a Democrat, he has a big hill to climb up of because he's got to fight against the Newsom, the Newsom, I was trying to blend noodles and Newsom, the Newsom regime. And that's a big political machine. So that's going to be a problem. Um, and, and that they have a lot of money. You know, they definitely have a lot of money and they can probably crush him if they wanted to. So it's going to depend on a sort of Democratic small donors, but he is running against a huge Democratic machine. And that's probably why a lot of other Democrats, like established Democrats, haven't really jumped into the race right now, like an Antonio Villaraigosa or a, uh, what's her name, the the, the Lieutenant Governor, I can never remember her name for the life of me. That's how impressive she is. I don't remember her name at all. Um, so he 
has a higher, a tougher hill to climb than Republicans because people are expecting Republicans to run. I mean, there's how many Republicans who are running. He's the first probably noteworthy Democrat to jump into the race who's gotten a lot of praise or a lot of press of people kind of seeing what he's talking about. The fact that he was already on Fox News right away shows that uh, he's already getting a lot of press. So Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, I saw something about Caitlyn Jenner that it looks like her campaign is already sort of stuck in the mud. It's because outside of the two interviews, she hasn't really done any other public appearances. She hasn't really connected with voters. She has two ads. She hasn't been touring. She hasn't been going to see people. She had those two interviews. She had Fox News and CNN right back to back. And that was about it. I haven't really heard from Caitlyn Jenner since then. Um, so I would imagine if she doesn't change things soon, she's going to become absolutely irrelevant in this, this race because it looks like she's just not really running that hard. Um, all right. A couple more minutes. Any other questions in the chat? Any other comments? Did you like his platform? I'm going to put the polls up again on the Instagram story so that you can, now that you know most of his platform, I'm going to put the exact same questions up to see what people say. Maybe they change their vote. Maybe they say, hey, you know, maybe I like this, again, this platform versus that platform a little bit better. It's definitely the biggest platform. It's definitely the biggest platform that I've seen come out so far outside of like Kevin Faulkner, who proposed a California comebacks or tax proposal. I haven't really seen any other, uh, any other big proposals. Caitlyn Jenner absolutely has no proposals. She just kind of mimics whatever is really on whatever channel she's on. So anyway, with that, I think I'm going to end the show today. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I like most of his ideas. Not sure about the use of emerging powers. I agree with you. I think the, that that's a bad precedent that we've set with the emergency powers. Um, I don't think that's a great, you know, we can't use emergency powers for everything. I, I mean, we pretty soon they're going to start using emergency powers for anything they, they think is an emergency. Uh, so that becomes a real issue. Uh, so we'll see. We, we shall see. Um, how does he fight against the Newsom regime? How does he fight against the huge democratic machine that is already here in California that supports him anti Pelosi and all that stuff. Um, but with that today, we're going to end. So always Friday. Well, Friday is the podcast 3 PM doing it live now on Instagram, also streaming on YouTube as well. Uh, and then every Wednesday morning, is going to be coffee in California politics. And that's where we sit. We chat, we talk about it. It's just kind of a loosey goosey conversation. Nothing really proposed people. We, you know, things just kind of happen. We don't really know where coffee in California politics goes every Wednesday morning. That's why you have to tune in because I don't even really know where it's going. Most of the time, I just turn my phone on and see where we're going. Um, and with that said, going to end today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Like, share, subscribe this podcast, spread the word so we get more people on here to talk about. The more people who are engaged, the more fun this whole thing is overall, uh, because this is really the platform to kind of get people engaged in talking about California issues from all angles so that we can figure out and solve uh, those pressing issues. So with that said, I will see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Bye.
thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 